This is the recording of a small workshop with Douglas Harding in San Francisco in 1984, organized by David Lang. David and uh, Carol were telling me that some of us, some, some of us here, were, didn't really know what, what we were in for. So, um, is that true, isn't it? Is that so? Yeah, yeah true. <laughs> no idea what we're in for. Right. Which is, uh, Quite challenging, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> very, very brave of you. Very brave of you to come. We like them, so trust them. Mm. Mm. <laughs> well, I, I don't think I know what we're in for, really, because uh, I find that on these occasions I don't come to them with a. or I shouldn't come to them. I don't think I do come to them with a lot of ideas. I just have to go myself into the questions, you know. And I don't have anything to lay on you. I don't have, I have nothing to indoctrinate you with or give to you. Uh, I suppose what I'm up to on these occasions is to just just be rather especially truthful uh, to myself about what I am, what I find myself to be, and to share with you this way of perhaps being ourselves, you know. And it seems to me that in my life I took everybody's word for what I am, you know, I let, made, I let everybody naturally, I think we all do, we, we let everybody lay things on us and tell us what they like and intimidate us really. And the last thing I want to do, and David and Carol want to do, I'm sure, is to add to the Sorry, a story of intimidation by laying our thing on you. You know, it's really quite reverse of that. So I think I have to start off by saying you are the authority on the subject, and I'm not. And really, I suppose you, only you, are in a position to say who you are, what you are, for yourself at this time. And so this is kind of unteaching, unlearning, coming to be have the courage and confidence to take what we find for ourselves, have a look at what we are for ourselves. You know? So you are the authority this evening, I'm not. Uh, you, are the, you are the authority on you, I'm not. But we should be out here asking questions and directing your attention to different ways of looking at yourself. But you are the authority and I'm not. And, uh, I'm the authority on one thing, and that's what's sitting in my chair. And you're the authority what's sitting on your cushion, or on your chair, and uh, this is what we're going to dress ourselves to. Perhaps, perhaps ask some fundamental questions which we uh, assume the answers to. We go a little further back in examining our fundamental assumptions. And I think the proposition is that we may have been told things that are not true about ourselves and things which can really damage our lives and spoil our lives. But so in my case, I believe what I was told and I found that what I was told about Douglas here is not true. And I don't mean in psychologically in very subtle ways and you know, spiritual and intellectual and psychological, deep, you know, complex things. I'm talking about very ordinary, almost childishly simple things. I was told about myself here and I found it just 
not true. And I'm going to address your, 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 I'll ask you, perhaps, if you want to look at where you are and see what you find. And what you genuinely find there is, is final. Yeah? I can't tell you, but I can ask you what it's like where you are at this time. Well, why should we have a fresh look at what's where we are at this time? What we are? Well, I don't know what your motivation might be to your mind is. I think, first of all, it does seem to me rather pity to have happened, and we have, now each of us has happened, it's rather peculiar, isn't it? <laughs> I find it rather peculiar and rather special, you know. We needn't have happened. It's a kind of great opportunity. <laughs> and it seems to me that most of us happen, and then we unhappen, and we never ask what happened. <laughs> 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 we're so busy living, uh, uh, you know, the, the life of what we're told we are, we never look and see what it really is. <laughs> and we take everybody's word, but our own word, for what it's like where we are. Repeat, I, I repeat that my own benefit. I take everybody's word, if I'm not careful, I take everybody's word for what it's like here, sitting in my chair, but my own word. Because I, I've just lost confidence in my own authority. And I let people lay things on me which are not true. And uh, that's all my young life. <coughs> Got me into deep trouble. And I have a great job you know, getting rid of this load of stuff laid on me here which I find not to be true. And this is always simple stuff, and very basic stuff. Not, not psychological stuff, not really kind of deep stuff in a way, but very basic, simple stuff. I find it's not true. And uh, I, I, I think, so my motivation is to tell the truth about this, partly because it seems a pity not to have a go, I mean, to live and die without asking who's doing that seems chicken-hearted and unenterprising. <laughs> <laughs> I might say that. And, uh, you know, it's the spirit of adventure. Shirley says, well, here's something to be adventure of our lives, isn't it? What adventure matches the adventure of saying, I'm going to look for myself. I'm not going to, I'm not going to take anybody's word for this. I'm going to really have a go and look at myself, for myself, now, without prejudice, starting all over again, in case I've been conned. <laughs> now, that's an adventure. I think that's a good worthwhile adventure. And the second motive is, see, I do think that if I make mistakes and you know, believe lies about things out in the world, that might be nasty and might get me into trouble wood. I mean, if I believed the signs on the freeway here were the opposite of what they were, I might get creamed. That wouldn't be so, that would be perhaps awkward, but I think if I'm wrong about what's at the centre of my life, right at the centre, you know, what's really here, not out there on the freeway or out there in my life, if I'm wrong about what's at the centre, I'm really wrong, I'm really deep trouble. I'd better get the centre right, you know, what I'm living out of, it seems to me I need to get right. And so that's what, with your agreement, we could address ourselves to. So have a fresh look at, have a fresh look at what we're looking out of. I can see what we're looking at. Like you're looking at Dacos, I'm looking at you. No, 
know what we're looking out of. We've been told what we're looking out of. And perhaps we've been told wrong. So the first motive might be curiosity, and the second might be it would seem very inefficient to live from a lie, the bubble, the central lie, uh, that I've got wrong what I am, and I'm, I'm living from what I'm not. I'm living from a lie, and I think that will not work. And I think the third motive might be all the great ones that I uh, acknowledge, really great ones, have said that Right where I am is treasure, you know, the real treasure, never out there. the real treasure, the real key, the real refuge, the real peace, even the real joy, the real satisfaction is really where I am and not out there. It's right here, the core of my being is some perfect jewel, I don't know, some mystery, some reality there, which is my heart's desire. They say so, but I don't say believe it. It's a motivation for having a new look, isn't it? For what it might be there. There are some reasons for feeling this. I don't know, David, can you see any more reasons? There are probably lots. Yeah, I think you, that uh, you get into trouble with problems in your life. And uh, problems force you to look at life in a new way. You look at yourself in a new way. Mm -hmm. So I think difficulties can. Uh, personal problems or whatever can make you look at who's having them. So um, hopefully if some of us see that problem, I mean, very helpful if we have. Because that gives us real motivation. I, mean, I think people that have no problems, or at least they think they don't have problems, have not. You know, their life is going fairly well. But it's a great thing if you have a few problems, I think. Very encouraging. Yeah. Motivating. Yeah. And uh, so what, what I think we would like to do with, with you this evening is not talk mainly, but do one two little simple experiments aimed at starting all over again and looking at what's right where we are. And we talk about treasure. I know I talk about the treasure, the wonderful thing here. All that. I have to undo that a bit by saying that we, you know, what, what the great ones say is that there is indeed a treasure where you are, but, and they say it's absolutely instantly available, some of them do, but uh, what we're after to, tonight and what they would warn us to expect is not a mystical experience. We're not going to blow our tops and have a mystical experience, have a wonderful experience of love and joy and all that. Uh, it's not a peak experience this is alleged to be, but rather more like a valley experience, I'd say. Kind of, I think, very peaceful, but, but very quiet, and uh, some people the authorities the subject described as grey and down to earth, as a matter of fact, but very accessible and very innocent. And uh, being clever and very intellectual and about it is a great, I think, real handicap. And the, the qualification we need for this is that we really have certain simplicity and childlikeness, you know? And if we're clever, this is, I think, makes it real difficulty. It makes for real difficulties in seeing it. So, 
of all these reasons and so on, it seems a seems a good thing to have a look. And that really means dropping our opinions about ourselves that we've acquired from language and we've acquired from parents and teachers. Dropping just not for long, you know, just for momentarily enough to have a new look at what's where we are. And the experiments that we should do, a little experiments together. These are what I think convince not the words, the words are kind of froth or setting for the experiments, I think. So, what else do we need to say before we start? Is that it? Uh, can we open my phone? <laughs> uh, I, was, I was just thinking about the, uh, you said about simplicity, about doing the experiments. A certain, uh, well, uh, openness or willingness just to experiment with, just to have a look at, at what these things are asking uh, before and not this willingness to suspend a kind of judgment, just a you know, openness, perhaps, just to see what they're about, and then to make a judgment afterwards, if you feel like it. But just a willingness to look and be you know, a little open about them. Because you've got all the time to look to judge them after you. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I think what we could do is to, is to just in all simplicity and uh, childlikeness, shall we say, we could look round the room now at this time, we have a circle that ends the room. And uh, if we could, uh, would you mind doing something very childish with me, really? I mean, we could count, do a little counting thing, and count what we can see. Not what we think we see. Count what we see, not what we think we see. And how many, looking at our, how many bods are there in the room? I'm talking about this thing. How many are there in the room? Can we just count and see how many there are? And see how, what our score is? How many do we get? Eleven. We find eleven bods in the room. And we can actually see what we're pointing at. I think we, we just make absolutely sure, could we point as we, as we do it, and point at what we find here. And so we can actually count 11 and go around and make quite sure. So 11. On present evidence, dropping memory, dropping imagination, 11 bodies. Okay. Well, now let's count uh, the number of faces in the room on present evidence. Now, on present evidence, how many? Please, could you put point as you go around? <laughs> well, what's the score this time? Eleven. Well, we're, 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 let's do it again. Be really careful about this. Shall we begin with the person on our left? 
So, if we begin with a tasma on that, and end with the person here. Now, can you keep pointing at this place? Now, is this the eleventh face that you're pointing at? What is your finger pointing at? Mm-hmm. On present evidence, what is your finger pointing at? Ah, oh, don't look at me. No, look at your <laughs> finger, please. Please look at your finger. <laughs> look at your finger and look at what your finger is pointing at. <laughs> no, just look at your finger. and We all look at our fingers and honestly take what we get now and see what our finger is pointing at. You can see the tip of my finger. Is that all? I see my hand and my arm that way. You see your hand and your arm? Where's your face? I can't see my face. Ooh. Can you see your face? (laughs) (laughs) No one said you had to see it. Sorry? You didn't say you had to see it. You said on present evidence. On present evidence. Well, what, what is, is that? In, in, in the way I interpret present evidence, it doesn't mean you have to see it. You can be a blind person. No, but I was asking. What do you see? On present evidence, what is your finger pointing at? On present evidence, without thinking, without imagination, what is your finger pointing at? Look and see. Don't, don't look at me, please. Just look at what your finger is pointing at. On present evidence, what is it pointing at? We drop thinking and imagination. Nothing. Nothing, yeah. Well, what do you... I'd like some other feedback here. <laughs> Yours are pointing at nothing. Pointing at my nose. You might, yes, and what's behind the nose? Look and see. Nothing. <laughs> what's the nose resting on? I can see my cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see anything else. You can't see anything else. We could go around and uh, just give a little report of what we find. And the question is, on present evidence, what is your finger pointing at? Don't really, just look at the finger. What is it pointing at? Don't w- like worry about other people, just our own experience at this time. Well, I'm talking about, you know, on present evidence, is it pointing at something? Me, it, the biggest part of the body. So no, what's it pointing at on present evidence? I know that there's me behind this. And you know, what, like, is, what color is me? <laughs> me is not a color. No. Well, me how many eyes has me got there? Two. On present evidence? What do you mean by present evidence? It's like you can't see your eyebrows, but you know they're there. Right? We know we have two eyes. No, we're, we're not asking about what we know. <laughs> you see, we're not asking about what we know. We're asking about what we can find at this moment. Two eyes. You can. 
Okay, well, let's you try that sense one. that you have two eyes. Let's try you that You can one. put your fingers in your eyes. And you know well, you can look eyes. through both of your eyes and know that they're both there. We don't just have any, we don't have any evidence. By just looking at our finger, we have no you touch. evidence. You touch your face. Oh, wait a minute. We'll do that in a moment. Oh. But we've got the eyes, so we'll go straight to the eyes, I think. And uh, would you do the experiment with me? Because it's rather important to be right about this. <laughs> And you said you know you're looking you're looking out two eyes now. So let us let us see what we find on present evidence. And if we have glasses, which most of us don't have, but we those who have well you and I uh, take our glasses off and hold them there. And those who don't have glasses, could we make an artificial pair like that and hold them out there? And look at the two lenses. Don't look at me. Look at the two apertures there out there. Now, there are two, aren't there? No doubt, on present evidence, by the, which I mean what is given in the sense experience at this time, you can see two apertures. Now, slowly put them on, right on, slowly, and watch what's happening to them. And when, your hand, when you've got them right on, lower your hands. Now, in your own experience now, your naive experience. How many eyes are you looking out of? Two. Well, you're the authority. I can't tell you wrong. You have me in your case. Without thinking about it. <laughs> Two. Two? Really? Well, can we try it again and make sure? Okay. Now, <laughs> it, it, make sure. <laughs> um, now, look at, the two, look at the two windows there out there, and watch what happens as you bring them on slowly. Do they remain two, or do they, something happen? They become one. They become one, so here we have a different story. So something strange is going on here. Well, I have a problem with that because the vision in one of my eyes is weak, and what I see in one of my... Well, do you still... I do have a sense of, of not, I have a sense of looking out of my right eye and the other eye is just sort of not really looking at anything, it's just sort of there along to the right. I really yes. do have a sense of, of looking through two eyes, although I only see one one image, yes. I really feel like I'm, I'm looking through two eyes. I think what we're talking about this time is the kind of window where are there two windows in your own experience? Well, you said there are two windows, or, or, or you were saying now it's not two, perhaps it's one. Now, in your case, there are two, two windows you're looking at, so to speak. Yes. Two mm -hmm. And one is dirty, and the other is. Are you sure you can count two? If you've been born at this moment, or may or uh, you know came out of outer space into this body now, would you know how many eyes you were looking at of? On present evidence? Well, see, that's not present. I'm, I'm not trying to fight your idea, but my present evidence, the way I look at things now, is affected by what I've experienced in the past. Oh, no, but we're asking you, what is your present evidence at this time? My present ev evidence at this time is that I'm looking through two eyes. Well, that's because that's, that's yours. Yeah. That's, Sorry, that, so we that's have, it for me. Well, that's interesting because we have one eye 
here. We have two eyes here. We have no eyes here. So we've got three answers already. Isn't that interesting? And and uh, in your experience now, your own experience now, how many? Two. Two. You've got two as you put this on. Well, when I put these on, yeah. having worn glasses before, I would think that I had four. <laughs> would you? Yeah, because I know that when I take them off, I can't No, uh, no the, uh, the question is, on present, well, how many can you count now at this moment? I can't count any at this moment because I can't see them anymore. Well, that one, that's it. And none. That one, that not that. None. No, I'm not present. I can see, but I know once I take my hands away. Yeah, but it, it, the question there is not uh, common, not how many we know are there. The question is how many we can find there now. And uh, that is the question. How many eyes can I can see? You, how many, Do my, I feel? No. How many eyes in your own experience now are you looking out of? Two. Dropping memory. Yeah, on present evidence at this time. <laughs> look. <laughs> look, well, when I look, I feel that I'm looking through one. Well, 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 now that, that we got that answer. <laughs> and we got that answer. We got, we got one, or well, none was it here? No, you were none. And we got two here. One. One. <laughs> Well, and Dave, what would you expect? For me, it sort of seems like it, it changes for how closely I, I look at it. When you say president, so sometimes I'll just say, you know, take it for granted and I just, then there's a whole vision. But yeah. I look at it more closely, which is also can be president, and I notice that, I, that, that there are two well, you're so the authority. It's not for me to argue. Yeah. I, I can't say you're the authority yeah. and then I say, you know, I'm the authority. You're the authority. <laughs> and you must stick to your, your what you find, which I respect. I really do. I might be a little surprised, <laughs> but I respect it. And, and, uh, yeah. uh, none at all. Not I only all. see what I, what I, what's out there. And right. I don't see, see it from anything. Really. And what I suggest is what uh, that we could do, what Carol indicated. And, uh, Carol, could you give us a clue about what to do here? Tell us what to do now. Well, here I could see my boundaries, but here it's like could we do nothing. Tell us what to do now. Okay, put your, try to frame what you're seeing. Like as far as your world, you know, what what it is until you, until you don't see your edges so your hands and arms just disappear yes just go off the edge of the picture now is this not not like a large window or something yeah this is my eye <laughs> and do are there is there any kind of division in the middle at this moment no look look at your own window that you're looking out of is there a division down the middle of any kind in making it two windows? Yeah. There is a bridge in my nose. No, so we're asking you on. Yes, there is. There is. It's a very, it's a physical, physical thing I can see. And on one side it's cloudy and the other side it's... Ah, we're not asking about the scene. 
Cloudy-seen on one side and clear-seen on another. We're asking whether the window where you are has got a division in the middle. So it's a window with two windows, in fact. Well, there is a division. It's very close to my eyes, but there is a Yes. So you are looking out at the world out of two windows, so to say, so to speak. It's a continuous vision, but there's a place where where it changes. There's a line somewhere? Yeah, right <laughs> right in my nose where this eye can't see anymore. Oh, well. Uh, what, uh, we, what do we find here? Now? Well, I can understand what he's saying because if I'm missing a lens, I would kind of... Oh, no, the question is not what oh. we're missing. That's, that's <laughs> speculation, you see. We're asking what you is like for you at this time, if you're really honest about it. It's as if there's just one. There's no. Well, now that's interesting. That's interesting. So we're getting uh, we're getting story one, none, and two. We're getting three stories, which is very interesting. And I haven't said mine yet, have I? I don't think I. I would uh, I would not call it one really. I would call I'd agree. It's, it, you could call it one. I would call it none, couldn't you? But it's a huge window without division. Now, isn't that strange that this is, we've all been living from this, we've all been living our lives looking out, and uh, the yeah. fact that there should be a disagreement about this is incredible, really, isn't it? it shows that perhaps this is a neglected country, that we hadn't noticed this. I don't know what it is that you're noticing. I think the basic premise is faulty. When someone says they see it of two eyes, it doesn't mean they're seeing two different things. You could see it of six eyes and see only one thing. The question is not what you see, it's what you're looking out of. And you're the authority on what you're looking out of. It's not, it's not a basic premise, it's a, it's a question. It's a question, it's not a premise. And the question is, and you're the authority, how many eyes or how many apertures, how many windows are you looking out of? In your own experience at this time. And if you say two, well, we have to say you're the authority, don't we? I'm a little bit surprised, but you know, I mean, I have to agree that you're the authority. I, I'm going to tell you a, a story of the uh, kind of thing that happens to me quite often. Uh, I remember in England, I was doing a workshop with about 60. Uh, people in London, yeah, London. Uh, Middle-aged ladies mostly, and uh, they're very, very nice, sweet people. And uh, I said to them, before we start this thing, now, are you agreed that all of you, in your own experience, I was tricky, of course, I said, are you agreed that all of you... In there was a break here in the recording between side one of the tape and side two. So the whole 50 or 60 of them had changed their view of what it was like where they are, which seemed to me to indicate that we, including me, and there's one unknown country, and that is the country we're here, the near country, this place we're at, that we are really unconscious of it. There's 60 people, all thought, that they were looking in their own experience out two holes in the meatball, two little holes in the meatball. And when they looked, why, it was this huge great window. Now, something very strange going on, isn't it? <laughs> that we could so change our view 
And it seems to me that we are interested in everything, we look at everything out there, but what we're looking out of is a country, like forbidden country, really, that we're unaware of. And it seems to me to be, in my case, my trouble that I was unaware of what it's like being me here. And I, for my part, I must admit, well, what, in another way of putting it is that w what we've done is looked around the room and seen that on top of everybody's shoulders is a head with two eyes and e everywhere we look there are two eyes and so we just continue going around the room and we take it on assumption that where we are on top of our head there's on top of our shoulders there's a head with two eyes it's like this common you take everybody's story that you know, you're like everybody else. But I think that the, to me I'm having a difficulty because I feel that because someone says you're looking at two eyes, they're immediately thinking that you're seeing two different things. Whereas the two eyes work together in harmony right. and see one picture, but still two eyes seeing. No one says that each eye works independently of the other. Right. The eyes work together. Yeah, we're not this question isn't to find out, uh, isn't to answer whether two eyes see one world or not. It's not um, about the physiology of eyes. No. Right. It's about simple question. See, it's not about the world that you see, it's not about thinking and ideas, it's about a very simple question. A very direct and simple question. Are you looking out, out at the world all the time in your life? Are you looking out of two rather small windows in a solid object? Or is it more, much more like a huge great window where you are? And that's a big question. And uh, to get the answer right seems to me to change, you know, to determine what kind of life one's living. I think it's a very vital question. And I do suggest that this is a place which goes largely unexamined in our lives. Not what we're looking at. That's examined too, you know. We go crazy. It's what we look. It's what, what we're looking at at this time. It's the question is what we're looking out on, and only you know that. I, I can't tell you what you're looking out on. Only you can tell you. And the question is, are you looking out of something, some solid object through two apertures, or is it just like a great big, huge, open, empty window where you are without edges? That's the question. And on that hangs a great deal. That's the question. But, and we can leave that for the moment. We'll do one, two more things. And uh, I think I think my, my help here is you might sound a little bit kind of crazy, perhaps. But uh, may I suggest we do something that would help establish whether we're crazy or not? <laughs> and uh, which we may be. Who knows? We may be. And uh, you, you were saying, I no, I'm, I'm sure what this analogy and semantics. Well, look, let me just do a little experiment here, not talk about it. Well, so you said that on, on present, it was right there. It was no, no, I know, no, nothing, nothing there. Do you mean that? Or kind of, kind of oh, empty Or what did you mean? When I was pointing. Uh, now, all right. Have, what, what's my finger pointing at there? On present evidence. On present evidence, nothing. Right. Now, she says that on present evidence, 
My finger's pointing at nothing. Susie says that. Now we see a face there. We see eyes there. She says there's nothing there. Now we have a little experiment here, I think, to test whether she's being truthful or whether she's lying. <laughs> whether she's crazy or we're crazy. We can't both be right. We say there's something there and she says there isn't. Why can't we both be right? Well, let, let's see whether we could both be right. But I, I don't see how at the moment we could both be right about there. Because there, there either is something or nothing. <laughs> now, we'll test this. I mean, we don't talk about it, we test it. Uh, you know, we can discuss these things endlessly. The great thing is to, to, to test it. And uh, if, if, if I had a camera, this would be the best way of doing it, because cameras are rather specially truthful. Human beings being very reliable. But I don't have a camera, but I do have a kind of pretense camera here. Polaroid camera, you see? And I think we'll call that place X, not Susie, because then that doesn't presume anything. It's a mystery. We don't know what it is yet. The question <laughs> is, is it something or is it nothing? See, X, is X something or is it nothing? Is it a lady's face or is it space, which she seems to suggest? Well, starting from here, we're a long way away, so we don't know yet what it's like there, do we? But we'll try to find out, with the aid of our camera, what it's like here. What X reveals itself to be at this place? Why? Nine feet from X. Now, I'm taking a little photo here, and with my Polaroid camera, and I've got the whole young lady here, and it cooks of cooks and dwarfs, and here's a photograph of a lady, a little lady. And we put it on the floor here because obviously in this region X reveals itself to be a whole lady. But you see we're still about we're not nine feet away from the issue, we're about nine feet, ten feet away from X, you see. So we have to look into the matter further. And here so here, I promise you, we have half a lady, and the only the top half, and I take a paper, and it uh, cooks, and I put it on the floor, because this is the region where we have half a lady. And we could go do this in the laboratory, go to bed, do this in the laboratory. And, uh, oh, do we have a mirror here, Andy? Yes, right there. Yeah, thanks very much. Great, great. <laughs> Um, you keep that for a moment. Yes. Now, we're still a long way from X, you see, so we have to creep up on X. And now we're here, we have a photograph of a face. So this is a region infected by or haunted by the face of it, the face. X here reads as a face. We, we put the photograph here. Now, where does X find that face herself? Tell me when have you found the face there? Mm -hmm. So she, you find it here, mm -hmm. and the camera finds it here, and I find it here. So mirror, it's in the mirror. It's in me. It's in the camera. That's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> That's triple, triple confirmation. Yeah, right. But we've still got a long way to go. Thank you. Still got a long way to go. Excuse me. Not <laughs> 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 well, necessarily. Well, I come a little nearer. 
I've got an eye. Or a nose. And I take another photograph and I just wrap here about here, see? Now, alas, we don't have to fit to our cameras some rather you know, mildest lenses and microscopes and electron microscopes and so on. But if from here to there we could fit the right instruments, well, I think we should take actual photographs. I know we would, of tissues, cells, even molecules, under certain circumstances, even atoms. But still not there. Now I'm going to leap over the whole darn lot and tell you what I get right here with my camera and me. I promise you, it's nothing whatever. It's nothing whatever. And when I turn round, instead of looking in at X, I look out with X. Why? I get, we can just put our heads together, see? Why? We get the scene, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that X was truthful. I think that she was a true, she, she told the true story. Don't you think? Then it went up to nothing. I went up to nothing. Went I up lost to, her. Lost it on its way. I lost her on the way up. And what she said was that she found nothing here. But if you look out, you see that nothing is full of the whole scene, isn't it? So she's truthful. And so are you, in that there's a face from here. I, I do see a face here with two eyes. And you see, this is not only, we may think this is a special treatment we have for faces. No, the, the general proposition supporting uh, Susie there is that whatever you go up to, why don't you lose it on the, in the process? If I go up to those wonderful flowers, I mean, I had a wonderful flower, so here, but I go up with my camera, to the flowers, and I get why the whole plant and the, and the flower and petal, patch of cells, cells, molecules, atoms, at the point of contact gone. The question where is the flower? The flower is in us here, isn't it? It's not over there, because when I go over there, I lose it. And X. Susie, aren't you, Susie, in your own experience, you've lost your head and gained the world, really, haven't you? Mm -hmm. At this time, isn't that a good business? Isn't that a good, nice thing to do? <laughs> isn't it a beautiful thing to do? And you're no longer separated from us and from what you're out of your box, which you never were in, perhaps. And this could make all the difference in our personal relationships, in our relationship with nature, the world. No separation now. Because you're not stuck in that little meatball looking through two little windows there, are you? You're really at large now. So this is a pretty important question to settle. Are we separated from the world by being things? Or are we in our own experience? No thing. And room for the whole world to happen. And the question is, when we were very little, what were we like? Those of us who have experience of children, what are they like? Isn't this our experience of ourselves when we were little? Hadn't we just bought, really, this thing that was laid on us? And what was laid on me is they told me, Douglas, you are what you look like. 
you are here where you are what you got back to us at six feet now I'm not you know I'm not I'm quite different you see an old man with a white beard and solid lump here that white beard is your problem <laughs> well it is it ain't here never was here you're and Susie aren't you and I trading faces at this time Mm-hmm. We're trading, isn't that a beautiful thing to do? It's a courteous thing to do. It's a loving thing to do, a natural thing to do. <laughs> very nice. Isn't it? Very nice indeed. You've got to, you're enjoying your beard, are you? lady. Well, mind it's not quite well, I, I, I still think that we must respect each other's view of things. And we don't want to, we really don't want to bully anyone into having this view of things. But um, I would say that you are the authority on you, and I'm the authority on me. All I'm in a position to say is what's like here. And I would say that I just enjoy not being an old man with a white beard here, but being you, you know, having your face much better. It takes years off me. It's a loving, <laughs> natural thing to do. Yeah. to have your face now. And look, if my face went bright blue, whose problem would that be? I guess yours, not mine. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know, would I? And it, it, it seems to me that perhaps we think we've got something here special to faces and special to people. But it does take the heat off it and make it so natural when we see that when we go up to anything, we lose it. It's distance that makes things what they are. I go up to the flowers, I lose them. I go up to you, I lose you. I go up to Susie, I lose her. Now, I went up to myself and lost myself. And that's nice, because I get the whole world in exchange. I lose a head and I go outside here and I get perhaps a thousand million stars in my space. And that's where lovely thing happened. Hmm. Mm-hmm. you were asking about, well, I can feel feel my face here, right? Yes. So let, everybody, let's, try let's try it. Just to try and uh, build our, with our eyes open, let's try and build our, the box now. See if we can get it in position and then move in. Get Make it really, get that small box in position. <laughs> and then kind of move in. Are you still at large or have you made, managed to build a box for getting in? You can build a box but you can't get into it. Well, <laughs> it's even hard to... It keeps falling apart. Yeah, you got a bit... one bit and then... Is it dark in there? Dark and stuffy? You know, when we were very little, little children, uh, you must know this, I, the children come to my house, they look in the mirror and they don't say, that's me, that's baby. And uh, I had a little girl come to my house and she pointed to her reflection in the mirror and she said, has that little girl got a mummy too? <laughs> and another little girl sent to the bathroom to wash her dirty face. 
I shouldn't wash this one, it's clean, I mean, it's absolute. But she washed it, started washing it at her face in the mouth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, when we are little children, we, we are faceless, aren't we? Really, we are. Mm-hmm. And we are at large. And I think this is the charm of little children, that they are, they're not in a box. And when we, the price of belonging to the cloud, court societies, to get put in our boxes, and it seems to me adventure is big hell, really. Because it's separation, and what do we suffer from, from, but from separation, the hell of being separate from each other. Whereas in fact we are busted wide open for each other, aren't we? I'm room for you to happen in, and that's a very special, very natural, lovely thing. And not only you, but the whole world, really. And I think, uh, you know, the great ones said, you won't find this until you become like little children. I mean, one, one person you've heard of, no doubt, said, the kingdom of heaven is within you, and you will find it when you become like little child. And this will do for me as the kingdom of heaven. a pretty good kingdom of heaven here, I find. And what is this, full of a hell world? Gosh. I lose a head being world, I know that that's a bargain, isn't it? <laughs> and if I'm this thing here, I'm this thing here, stop, and it's had it. It's 75 years old already, I mean, how much longer? It's had it. If I see why I am here, that can never have it. Because it doesn't have anything, but it has everything. And that, you know, if I'm interested in what's going, what's perishable and what's imperishable, I better get it right about what I am here. I think our activities make us feel our boxes. You know, that yes. we, we have roles in our lives. Yes. Yes. And they're necessary because of our society. Yes. Which makes it that much, much harder yes. to be expanded and childlike. I think so. And it's not... Our suffering is not just our separate beings at that point, it's needing to survive that in the way that we need to survive, that we have to do our jobs and pay our rent and, and be whatever we are, responsible people or, you know, we lose ourselves in ways that are not childlike and not happy ways. Yes, I think the question then is, which is the more efficient life? To go along with the lie that I'm the thing here, playing different roles, mm-hmm. in order to survive in society. Which is going to work best even in society? That, or seeing that I'm still space here, and, and that this place will support no roles, I mean, mm-hmm. that this is role-free. And, um, I mean, my experience over the last 40 years is that whenever I started living from the idea of the thing here, Douglas, it was always, the results were always inefficient and comparatively inefficient. And comparatively, socially, I think, ineffective, bad communication, bad relationships, because it was a head-on collision, Mm -hmm. face-to-face, head-on, meatball to meatball, you know, (laughs) loggerheads, (laughs) loggerheads, symmetrical thing, whatever role I was playing, I was 
in a symmetrical relationship of thing to thing, head to head, face to face, always work worse. Whereas when I tell the truth about what's here, which is capacity, I'm capacity here. That whatever I was doing, I don't know, even might extend if I were robbing a bank. I don't know. I might. I think I would even rob a bank better if I saw that there was here was space for the bank mm. <laughs> rather than the like, robber. Hmm? It's also like who, who, who knows that you're playing a role, mm. Mm. right? S- some some other part of you is observing that you change in your job or that you assume a role as a mother or as a mm. whatever. Mm-hmm. So in a sense... And even as a child, right. a father mm. saying, you must get A's, you know, mm. and you have to be that good student. And so in your life, you, you decide to be academic, mm. right? And uh, achieve. And achievement becomes a box in itself, you know? And you, you're trying to fit in. I think if you we're truthful about the basic thing about whether there's someone here or not, then I think we we can these roles can be played out there and they don't mm-hmm. affect the issue here. I think, mm-hmm. and they can be played with a kind of honesty. I think. So. I think. I don't think there's anything in fact mm-hmm. dishonest about a role, and I think it can be played like an actor almost. I mean, I'm not saying that, that you you're faking anything. I think it, a role can be played. With all your heart, as to long know, as to know the capacity mm. and to go beyond the role. Also, it's your connection with the. Mm-hmm. But you're not thinking you're the role. You're not thinking yeah, you're the right. role and being trapped mm-hmm. in it and therefore being imprisoned. Mm-hmm. If you can play this role, then you can play another one. You can move to another one. And I really think that when we become things here, playing a role, we become to that extent phony, really, dishonest and phony and inefficient. Um, Jean-Paul Sartre, you know, the French playwright and existentialist, has a, a I think, fascinating story of a waiter in a French cafe. And he and a friend were sitting in his cafe watching this French waiter. And they would find his behavior very embarrassing and disturbing. And he was jerky in his movements and his, all his gestures were exaggerated, he mechanical. And uh, something really phony about this waiter. And they discuss what's the matter with the waiter, and they decide he's playing a role game. He's a role player, and say, "Well, what game? He's playing a game in the bad sense of game." And they discuss what game this waiter in a French cafe is playing, and they decide he's playing the game of being a waiter in a French cafe instead of being the French cafe as large. So he's being the whole lot. Then he's in the market for being a really good waiter and an efficient waiter enjoying it because he's the whole scene. But what he's doing is really live out there looking at himself through the eyes of the patron and the and the, uh, the clients, customers, everybody. And he's phony because he's not being himself. He's being what he thinks the other people are seeing. He's eccentric. Mm-hmm. And what we're about here tonight, I think, is being concentric, not eccentric. Being where we are. And not out there looking in at what we are. What you said about the waiter trying to look at himself through the eyes of the different customers and that. I was thinking when you went through that with the camera, yeah. taking a picture of Susan, yeah. that's really very complicated because there, a camera is even the simplest. That's a simple visual thing. But there are all of these people out there and in our past mm-hmm. background that are taking different hits of us. That's right. Not just the way we look, but 
like uh, are we good students or bad students are we attractive or unattractive or this way or that way and we have to kind of imagine what their head is you know that they're all at different distances in different ways and that is really impossible you know trying to for this waiter to really try to know what all the customers were you know seeing in there so then the only only choice that you have is to just be where you are and just just look at the look at the world from where you are. That's right. And really, yeah. be natural. Really, in a, in the best sense, childlike. Yeah. Be where you are, living the life you really do live. And my experience is, and I think people have tried this, is that the roles get played quite adequately when we are honest about what's central, and uh, that uh, the roles get taken care of. In other words, one's roles are looked after by these numerous people around us. <laughs> who, who, who can take care of that, if we're honest about what's here. It's, it's rest seems to largely be taken care of. Well, I, in a way, there's like a, a real practical way of looking at it. That if you try to imagine what everyone else is, if you're, say like if you're self-conscious, mm. then you're, you think, well, He's looking at me and he thinks I look like an idiot. Yeah. You know, this guy this guy looks at me and my hair is crazy or something like that. It really then, then it's it's totally unrealistic because you have you really don't know what it is. Can't know. And 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 then your interpretations would be way off because mm. all all the things you imagine you combine. Then you could have the farcical situation that that's what everybody is doing. Trying to imagine what everybody else is. Well, some, sometimes that is that, that's a social, <laughs> social con, isn't it? Yeah. But uh, another <laughs> trouble with this is that not only does it make us phony and anxious, but it seems to me it really drains our energy. Because when I'm building up this fictitious thing here, it's not here. <laughs> In order to build here something which I imagine other people are putting here, I've got to put one on for you, another one for you, and adjust it here and adjust it there. I've got to keep the darn thing in position. It uses, I mean, it uses a fantastic amount of energy to keep this thing in position. And when, I mean, you can see the tension in people's faces when this, you know, keeping this thing in position, kind of opacity and deadness and tension that arrive eventually. But you can see when people have relaxed, and their features relax, they become more childlike and alive and fresh in their parents, I think, when they relax into being space for the world to happen in. Which praise, incidentally, was given to me by a 10-year-old boy in LA. That was some space for the world to happen in. I find I love that. <laughs> I find, in reference to talking about roles and things, that. I mean, roles are just, you know, kind of narrow ways of learning to behave and learning to act. And um, and this way of, of being that we're talking about doesn't preclude action, but for me it means that that action comes from a deeper place. It comes from, from a truer, more spontaneous, much deeper self than when I have a concept of myself, my actions, its relationship to the world, etc. Um, it's um, they are truer actions, and they mm -hmm. might be something that fits into a role I'm playing, but it doesn't mm -hmm. feel like it feels like spontaneous action. It right. Doesn't feel like right. action to fit a role. Yeah, it's, it's really it responds authentic. Responds to a projected role. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
authentic behavior from what's really where you are, which is the source of behavior, source of, might be, you might say, the whole darn thing. The recording of the workshop ended here.